This is not over. If we had to take this M Sui with him, it's all M Sui. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sound Up Podcast today. I'm Josh Shivanoff. He is the one and only Angel Ortega. Boy, oh boy, big ass week. Uh, we got some recapping to do. He's got some UC Vegas, some Bellator, some NBA, some trades, maybe some boxing. Who knows? Um, before we get into all of that and more, I'll talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy was founded in January 2017 to be the best gaming drink in the world. They will bring you a stack of the former delicious energy and focus drink. It is designed to replace unhealthy candy drinks, coffee, and even traditional pre-workouts. Rogue Energy is sugar-free and is loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and nootropics. They designed Rogue Energy for the emerging professional competitive gaming market and continues to have fantastic care and success. The students, athletes, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to optimize their mental or physical performance. If you want 10% off your order, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. Let's go with sound off a checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. Last Saturday night from the sold-out T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, the trilogy, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Angel. You know, we were hanging with the boys. We saw it together. Uh, look, man, uh, in the words of Conor McGregor, Dr. Stoppage, Dr. Stoppage. Um, obviously, I mean, look, man, there's not a whole lot for us to say here. I mean, we got one round of action. Connor came out firing early, blasting leg kicks. Uh, you could tell his his game plan was to kind of go back to what I mean. I mean, I said it during the fight. He was bringing everything back. If this is going to be his last fight, he was throwing everything. We were getting shades of Vintage McGregor throwing the spinning back kicks. Um, you know, using that left hand a lot. Eventually, Dustin tagged him with an uppercut. With about you know a minute and a half into the round, they end up getting in the clinch. Dustin takes him down after Connor shoots for a guillotine, which Dustin even said nearly got him. Look, I mean, we were watching it live. We both thought Connor seemed to have it. Uh, Dustin ended up getting out. Connor lands some elbows off his back. Dustin ended up smashing him. They end up getting back to the feet near the end of the round. Connor throws a punch, steps back on his leg, and it breaks underneath him. And Dr. Stoppage, there we go. Dustin wins a trilogy technically via an injury. Angel, man, like I said, not a whole lot to say as far as the performance of the fight itself. I mean, what did you think? And after that fight, I mean, it's gonna we won't see it for probably another year, maybe a year and a half. Do you have any interest in a fourth fight with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier? I mean, it, it, it's weird, man, because I, I thought it was an all-in there, right? Uh, apparently, it's not over yet, according to Conor McGregor, right after him, you know, <laughs> laying there on the ground, essentially cutting a promo for, yeah, you know, we're we're going to have a fourth fight. He's like, we're going to fight each other again. If we have to take it outside, we will. While Connor's just laying there on the ground with his broken leg with Joe Rogan by his side, which what an image to have, right? A night full of emotions, excitement, surprises, and ending in such a tragic way and on, in, on a fight, which, I, you know, I'm sitting there. It, you know, it, it ended up being a 10-8 on the judges' card. A lot of people thought it should have been a 10-9. I was decently back and forth. Obviously, there was that point where Connor was getting, you know, mauled a bit, but it's like Connor was still fighting back. You know, he wasn't just getting controlled. You know, he, he wasn't in a position where he wasn't able to, like, up kick or throw punches. He was throwing elbows. He was doing everything. So he was still very active, even if he was on bottom. Uh, like you said, man, he came out, came out spinning, throwing leg kicks. I mean, he had initially a great start to what seemed was, like, vintage Connor in our eyes. And, uh, 
tragedy struck and injury came in and obviously there's nothing we can do about it controlling that like i told josh that night if connor would have came out the second round lost and that was the end of you know the mac era there was and you know there probably wouldn't have been a rematch i would have been perfectly okay with that this this just left a really sour taste in my mouth man it just wasn't what i wanted obviously no one wanted it it just ended up is is probably the worst outcome we could have had uh outside of like someone missing weight you know Mm -hmm. And not making the fight or a pre-fight injury or whatever it may be, um, you know, a, a fight, you know, in a fight like this with the kind of stuff leading up to it, you know, this this was not what we wanted. And I mean, you know, whenever we get the fourth fight, if we do get the fourth fight, I mean, a lot of people are sure on the fact that we are going to get a fourth fight, and a lot of people are telling Connor to just give up. I mean, Connor doesn't really want to give up, which you got to give him credit for. You know, he still wants that one. You know, Josh, I mean, we might have a. A five-round series, man. We, you know, first to three. You know what I mean. If Connor <laughs> comes out and wins the fourth, I mean, we gotta give him some credit, right? If that is to happen, and I'm sure Dustin's gonna be like, well, it's two-two now. You know, I mean, Dustin's like, I like money, so let's do the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, it'll be a while before Connor is back again. We saw him; he's out of surgery. Apparently, he's doing fine. He's, I even saw he might already be like trying to work out. So, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of shows where his mentality's at and uh i'm sure he's gonna go back into the lab and figure some stuff out because i mean there's some things that i'm sure there's a lot of things people liked and there's a lot of things people didn't like uh a lot of fighters uh gave their opinion and their input on the fight uh i saw patty he was on uh mma was uh mma on point they had like their little show and he was Mm -hmm. talking about that live uh yeah izzy had his little breakdown on it obviously all you know dominic cruz dc and they had their old you know give and take and there's a variety of takes i'll give you that there's a variety of takes that i heard a lot of people being like well as dana connor and some other people being like uh i don't know connor had some stuff going there some good stuff going some some mistakes that he probably shouldn't have done and and stuff you know he should have stuck to his general style not shot for that guillotine and ended up on bottom uh you know, Izzy was it made a good point. He was like, "Yeah, but that's why I never go for the key team because if you don't get it, you end up on bottom." So that's my whole. Uh, he said that's my whole take on that. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, world is kind of torn up. There's a wide a variety of opinions. Uh, a lot of and you know some uh, maybe not as uh, you know. Well, I don't want to use the word, but I guess I'll use it. Casual fan saying it's the end of Connor, and also some more can you know in in the space fans who were like saying the same thing but also i've heard some people who are really in, are really deep into the space who are, are also on the thought that it isn't the end of connor yeah man and look i mean is it the end of connor no i i don't i i said it before we went live right now but like he's fighting for legacy at this point he's not fighting for money he fights because he likes it and he really enjoys it and he wants to improve upon his legacy i'm sure um i don't think that's i don't think he's done he's gonna come back is it the end of him as a top contender probably I mean, look, I mean, I, if there's somebody I don't want to doubt, it's Conor McGregor. But at the same time, he he's coming back from an injury that historically for MMA fighters is incredibly hard to come back from. And it's not like we're still talking about Conor. Sometimes we fall into the hype on this show. Uh, and I mean, because we're fight fans at the end of the day. I mean, we both cover the sport. But we're still fight fans. We fall into the hype of like Conor. He's still, a, you know, he's still this young dude. Conor, whenever we see him next, might be 34 or 35. Um, he's coming off a leg break. He's lost two fights in a row. Yeah, one of them was due to injury. If you don't want to consider it, fine. Technically, it was a loss, though. 
Um, and before that, he got knocked out for the first time in his career. He's lost three of his last four. If, if you want to include boxing, he's lost four of his last five. So at the same time, it's like, is it the end of him as a top contender? I think that's a fair point to have, and I think it's a fine conversation to have. Is he going to come back, though? I'm sure. Uh, something you touched on there real quick that I want to bring up. You mentioned the fact that it was a 10-8 round. Man, that's a that's a tough ask for me, man. I mean, I, I complain about judging on the show all the time. But that I did not see that whatsoever. I think I probably thought Dustin dropped him, which would make sense in order to give him the 10-8. Uh, because outside of that, I mean, Dustin landed some ground and pound. But, like, I mean, Connor was throwing elbows off his back. He cut Dustin. You know what I mean? Like, it was pretty back and forth, and Connor was winning the stand-up before that. So that that's completely fine. As far as what I thought about the fight, I mean, it it, it was what it was. It was, a, it was a raucous five minutes. It was pretty fucking crazy. Um Obviously, Dustin won round one. Was it possible that Connor could come back? Yeah. Was it likely? No. Um, so it is what it is. I mean, we'll see Connor in about a year from now, probably a year and a half. Um, you know, sometimes dudes can accelerate their their recovery. Um, we saw Tony Ferguson, who tore like his ACL and MCL a couple of years ago, come back in like six or seven months or something crazy. But leg breaks are a lot different, unfortunately, with healing. So there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of flexibility uh, when it comes to returning from that. So it is what it is, man. I mean, it, it sucked, um, but uh, Connor will be back. Dustin, he's going to get his title shot next, and we'll see a probably we'll almost definitely see a fourth fight down the line. I would like to see Connor fight somebody in the meantime. Like honestly, he should not get a title shot if Dustin wins. Um, if Dustin wins the title, no way should Connor get a title shot. He should fight a guy like a Tony Ferguson, like a. I mean, I said it before, RDA. An, ally, an, an, an RDA, an ally, a Quinta, some of these dudes who are names, some of, some of that from that same era of Connor. I don't want to see him fight Islam Makhachev or something. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's generally my thoughts on the main event. It, it is what it is. Unfortunately, just because of an injury, there's not a whole lot you can talk about. But, I mean, people say this is the end of Connor It is not. He'll be back. Um, and we'll see what happens. As far as the co-main event, though, this one um, – heartbreaking for some of us I mean, it's heartbreaking but at the same time it's like it it, it it was in some people's eyes to be expected we you know we a lot of us want to see wonder boy kind of have that one more run and i mean like a lot of people said what is he 38 39 years old at this point i mean this was his last chance and well he had a tough one but he looked damn good in some of those moments he had some nice little exchanges and he had his round that he won uh, but you know we gotta give credit to Gilbert Burns. I mean, like I told you, Josh, I'm still really high on him. I do think that if there's anybody in the division right now who could be close to that title shot, who can beat him, I still think it's Gilbert Burns. I think he just had mm-hmm. fundamental mistakes in that initial fight. He fought a fight that, uh, you know, I've I've talked about it enough. I will never understand why he stayed on the ground and tried to invite him into the ground instead of getting back up. Uh, and he hurt Kamaro too. I mean, the first guy in recent time that we can think of who hurt Kamara. I mean, who else is here Kamara like that? I can't think of anybody that's, else. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, so I mean, you gotta give him, you gotta give him credit where credit is due. Uh, I mean, victory went to Gilbert Burns. I mean, there's not too much to say, man. It was a decision to win. He did what he had to do. He fought his style of fight. Wonderboy fought his style of fight. Didn't initiate as much as he probably should have and could have stuck around somewhere in between and made it tough for the judges. I mean, I think that was my whole perception on it. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it. You know, I mean, look, it is – not to quote myself from last last fight we talked about, but it is what it is. I mean, it's a fight where very little happened from either guy. Um, Gilbert obviously got a takedown in round one that won in the round, but he didn't do a whole lot with it. He didn't really – he didn't try to pass guard. 
he didn't really land too much ground to pound. Um, round two was pretty clearly Wonder Boy's round, and all judges gave it to him. I mean, I thought he – I don't want to say he outclassed him on the feet, but you could tell on the feet that Gilbert was kind of a fish out of water, uh, and Wonder Boy's pretty much leading the dance. Um, round three, I thought Wonder Boy was winning the stand-up. Gilbert got a takedown, really did nothing with it once again. Um, but Wonder Boy didn't do much either. So, I mean – and then he ended the fight by blasting about 15 illegal elbows to the back of Wonder Boy's head. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. He got the win, but it was it was quite – I mean, neither guy came out of that looking good, in my opinion. Like, I, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty, as far as it goes, I'm a, I'm a fan of like technical fighting a lot. Normally, I don't bitch about boring fights, but I, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, and it's just, it was just disappointing because like, Gilbert Burns did what he had to, but I would have liked to have seen something from him to make me think that a Kamaru fight could go differently, and I didn't see anything out of him that suggested that. I mean, it's also the matchup, man. I mean, obviously with Wonder Boy, he can't be as maybe out there. I mean, he could probably get a little more wild with someone with Kamaru because obviously he doesn't have to worry about certain things that Wonder Boy brings. And he had him, didn't Wonder Boy like actually sting him a little bit there at one point in one of the? I believe rounds? he dropped him to drop to open up the third, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was no, 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 it wasn't anything like he's hurt, you know, Joe Rogan. Yeah, status. but it, he definitely did give him something that was like, okay, okay, we see you, we can come out and win this third round. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, there wasn't a lot to talk about there. It wasn't the most exciting fight, but like, like we said, I mean, it, both guys stuck to their bread and butter and obviously the one guy who used, you know, their aspect and more capabilities more ended up winning the fight. Obviously no surprise, but, uh, that's just how it goes, man. Uh, who, who does Gilbert fight next? I think this is a good question. Who does Gilbert fight next? Obviously fought for the title not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. Who who is someone at welterweight now who we could potentially see a matchup against realistically? Well, I mean, we all know that nobody welterweight outside of these two guys actually want to fight top contenders, so it's going to take him a minute. Um, <laughs> but look, okay, so jokes aside, Leon is probably going to try and sit out until he gets the title shot. Colby's going to fight Kamaru because, you know, we all needed that fight again. Um, obviously, he just beat Wonderboy. Kies is fighting Luke A. Masvidal's out for a minute because he just got annihilated. Um, Magni is fighting Muhammad. Jeff Neal's taking some time off. Maya's released. Lee Jang Lang is fighting Cosmot. I have no idea who he's going to fight. Yeah, it's um, a weird spot. He's in a really bad position right now because, like, I mean, Welterweight's always in a bad position because a lot of the guys at the top of the division are generally pretty, pretty diva-ish. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. They really don't like to fight each other. But shit, man, I don't even know. I literally have no clue who he would fight. I mean, maybe. I mean, if Masvidal wants to come back relatively soon, maybe Gilbert, because Gilbert took literally no damage because nothing happened. Um, maybe, maybe he'll fight Masvidal. Masvidal wants to come back, but at the same time, Masvidal wants to fight a bigger name. I think he's probably waiting to see what happens with Nick Diaz in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly, I mean, it beats me. Honestly, I have no clue who Gilbert Burns is going to fight next. Yeah, he's in a weird spot, obviously, because he just fought for the title, and then he just, well, you know, he lost and then just won again real quick against a guy who was decently ranked. Yeah, so it's a tough position for him, man. It really is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as far as as far as far the card goes, I've, I mean, I've, I've shit on that fight enough. How about the next fight up, man? This one, the big boys came to swing and bang. One um, minute of fun. One minute of fun? Uh, obviously, Greg Hardy comes out, catches Taito Ibasi. He caught him hard, man. Um, he rushes in to get the knockout. 
high counters with a massive left hook. And that's that. Knocks out Greg Hardy in a minute. Um, now, this question is this, this, two questions really on this one. First of all, what do you think about Ty's performance, his standpoint moving in the division moving forward? And then also, what do you think about Greg Hardy's future moving forward? This is a guy who is really, really hyped up. Um, obviously, he's coming over from the NFL, you know, freak prospect, all that, blah, blah, blah. He's has zero wins over anybody currently on the UFC roster. Uh, he's lost two in a row via stoppage. So what do you think about both those guys in the division moving forward? I mean, I'm surprised Ty didn't break into the rankings, honestly. I thought he was going to break into the rankings after that win. I know Greg Hardy isn't the most highly ranked opponent, but I thought he sneakily maybe break into number 15 somehow. Uh, it's crazy because, if I remember right, in Ty's last fight before Greg, he got clipped in that fight too. Yeah, Harry Hunsucker, like he got clipped a little bit early on by Harry, and he caught him again with a counter, like really quickly. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, fuck that. That doesn't feel good. Which... You know, it's a scary thing because, obviously, as we move up into the Yarzinho, Ruiz, and Stroikes, to Francis Ngannou, to Derrick Lewis, those guys who have uh, one-shot power, barely even touch you power, you're out, you know? So that's always a worry with me. Uh, and granted, all heavyweights have power, right? You know, that's that's the whole thing. They all have power for the most part. Uh, there's very few here who maybe don't have the level of power that those three have. Obviously, they're very standout guys. But... Uh, I mean, Ty just got to keep improving, man. I mean, he has those good leg kicks. He has those good counters. He's been hit good, too. Uh, it's just a matter of just constantly improving, constantly improving, and playing the game of not getting hit and countering, especially in a weight class where, you know, one shot just makes the whole difference. And for Greg, man, I mean, like I, I talked to it, I talked about it when we were there. I mean, he's working with Shad now and a group of smaller guys. They're focusing just on each other. And, I mean, he just has – I mean, if – he stays around. He just has to keep working, bro. He just got to keep working for it and keep getting better. I mean, he like, he did he did hurt Ty. I mean, he's going to have to think about that. You know, I hurt Ty. Where were my mistakes? Where, where can I improve upon that? Uh, you know, like like I said, he's one of the guys who came into the sport later. Has to have an accelerated process of learning. Uh, but is a very athletic guy and has these good talents that he needs to hone on as quick as possible. Uh and regardless, man, I mean, for him, it's like even if he doesn't get to the bell or doesn't reach it, I mean, he can still make good money and get some good highlights. So, you know, he could just still be a fun guy who can put on good performances or get a good performance to happen on him, which I'm sure he doesn't want that to happen, but it can here and there. Mm. Yeah, man, as far as it goes, I mean, I'm surprised Ty's not in the rankings as well. I think it's – I mean, look, the heavyweight rankings have always been pretty bad. Like, for some reason, I don't know this, notice this. Like, I feel like division rankings are pretty bad most of the time. I feel like heavyweight, though, has been particularly bad. Like, Sergei Spivak is in there over him. Sergei Pavlovich is in there over him. He hasn't fought in two years. Yeah, so it's weird. But that being said, yeah, man, I mean, good performance are Ty. Greg, man, he's really got to figure it out. He honestly really does. Mm-hmm. Because at, a, at the same time, man, like, like I said, he's not have a single win over anybody currently in the UFC. That's really bad, man. I'm sure they're going to keep on giving him opportunities because for whatever reason, the UFC really sees something of Greg Hardy that I seemingly don't because I can tell he's got power. He's technically – he's good enough technically as a fighter. But look, like, look, man, he's lost three of his last five. And anytime he's gone up against anybody who's even moderately good, he's lost. So it is what it is. Um, but we'll see what happens in the movie forward. I'm sure we'll get another shot. Next up, though, Irene Aldana getting a rare knockout win for women's MMA, knocking out Yannick Kutitsky inside the first round, man. 
look, dude, Irene, she's got power, bro. She's got power, man. Her boxing is is honestly probably one of my most favorite to watch in terms of women MMA. And um, look, man, she just came out, cracked Yana early, and uh, got the knockout win. Do you think about Irene moving forward in the division? Possibly he's a title could a title challenge relatively soon because God knows, I mean, Nunes needs opponents. So uh, what do you think about her performance and her uh, stock moving forward as a championship fighter? I mean, she's a good gal, man. Obviously, got to keep improving on her game because, you know, she, she fought Holly. And, uh, she fought Holly. And uh, like I said, she fought her at her own game, and that really wasn't that wasn't the move. You know, she Holly had been doing it a lot longer. She should have come in with a different game plan. She's in a weird spot because, obviously, she fought Holly, who's ranked above her now, lost to her, but just got a big win over Yana, who's on a good win streak. And if Yana would have won this fight, I mean, she was setting herself up to be in a title position soon. So she just uh, stopped her right in her tracks real quick. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a matter of building up her wins, getting better, and uh, keep improving upon her boxing and, you know, just, just a generalization of what everybody needs to be doing after coming off a loss and getting a victory. Um, hopefully we see her again soon because I'm sure she wants to get back in there soon and uh, obviously get back on the track that she was because she at one point wasn't didn't seem like she was very far, far off of the title shot. And obviously she would have beat Ollie. She would have made a pretty good account of herself. I mean, that would have been very impressive and that would have been a very good win for her. For sure. I mean, look, if she beat Ollie, she was going to get a title shot and she would have deserved it. Now, obviously, you know, shit happens. And so instead... Um, obviously, Juliana Payne is going to get a title shot. That fight's going to happen in a couple of weeks from now. It is what it is. Um, but look, dude, Irene Aldana, dude, she really – she has a lot of talent. And it's, it's really interesting to me because, like, it wasn't that long ago. I thought of her as just somebody that's kind of meh in the UFC. You know what I mean? Like, but, I mean, since 2017, you know what I mean? Like, she's had – what? Something – like, she's had two losses since then. One of them was a split decision and the other one was lost to Holly Holmes since then, dude. Knockout wins over Yana Kuniskaya, Caitlin Vieira, wins over Vanessa Mello, Bech Cohea, Lucia Padavia, um, Tatia Bernardo, a couple of others. She clearly has a lot of potential. She's, she's 33, but it feels like she's just hitting her prime. This is She's one of those people that I feel like if, if Nunez wasn't there, shit, dude, she could be champ of the division. Like, honestly, I, I fully believe that. And, I mean, who knows how many times, who knows how many fights Nunez has left. So, um, I like to see Aldana versus Nunez before like Nunez retired just because I think Aldana she won't win that fight, but her boxing could make it somewhat fun. But who knows? Um, opening up the main card, man. This one, uh, you know, it was it was tough to watch at times, but at the end of the day, Sean hey, O'Malley. Hey Josh, you gotta give the kid credit though. You you were shitting on this kid a lot, and I was like, hey man, he's gonna come out here and make a good account of himself. Well, he went. Yeah, he, he. I did, don't think it will. Good, you know, I'll give him credit. He uh. He uh, <laughs> he gave a good account of himself by getting punched in the face a whole lot and getting his ass kicked, you know. Um, jokes aside, he showed incredible durableness and toughness. I mean, I'll give the kid straight up pure credit um, because this guy who can't – he's gotten finished in every single loss he's had coming in. And it, it's it, it was it was tough to watch at times, but, I mean, good for him, man. Honestly, good for him um, for almost going the distance. Because um, you can you can have these moral victories, you know what I mean, where like you lose fights. Like people say moral victories are not a real thing, not not at all. I mean that that's straight up bullshit. Um, I mean man, he he took it on ten days notice, Josh. Took exactly. it on ten days notice. Was fighting a weight class up, had been finished in the past. Maybe. I mean he was not. He's he's only ever competed at bantamweight. He's all, that's 
he's never fought a flyweight. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, oh, I thought he was fighting one up. I could have sworn he was fighting one up. No, no, he's all of his fights have had him to bantamweight. But regardless, that's besides the point. I see what you're saying. Ten days on, and like he he gave. I mean, he the fight wasn't close at all. I I gave round one a ten eight, and if round three had gone to a decision, that would have been another ten eight for me. I probably would have scored like thirty twenty five. But still, man, I mean, what do you think about the stoppage, though? Because a lot of people were really pissed off. They said, like, you know, he deserved to go the distance and, and all that. I mean, you know, there's 30 seconds left. I mean, at that point, it was kind of like, you know, you know, so what? But he was getting lit up there at the end, and he had been taking a lot of damage. I mean, it, you know, regardless, you know, it was going to be very hard for him to win that fight, even with the 30 seconds left. And even though he was getting into that exchange with Sean, but it was him receiving and him not giving. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's pretty much – here's my opinion on it. If – the stoppage was fine, but the better point to have stopped it would have been two rounds ago whenever the kid was getting his face punched. Like, he, there, there was no point where the fight was particularly, like, impressive. Not impressive, close would be the better way to phrase it. Because Mutino landed a couple of good shots, but they were very, very rare, um, and they didn't happen often. So I thought the stoppage was weird for that fact alone. That's like the shots he was taking weren't even close to some of the worst shots of the fight. Like, yeah, his face looked like a wreck, but like his face had looked like a wreck since like two minutes of round one. Um, So it it was it was a strange decision. I didn't have a problem with it because the kid didn't need to take any more punishment. He had no chance of winning. But he also I mean, he had dealt with so much worse throughout the fight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he came out, he he did what he could. And you got to give him credit because it wasn't like Sean was walking him down and beating him. It was like he was walking forward and Sean was countering back the whole yeah. time. So, I mean, that's another thing why I didn't get stopped, I'm assuming, earlier because he was the one coming forward the entire time. He never – I can't even think of a moment in the fight where he stepped back, honestly. <laughs> to be honest with you, for a guy who wasn't the one leading the dance, he was the one going forward. So, uh yeah. You know, that's probably a big reason why he didn't get stopped any sooner. But, uh, I mean, you know, hopefully he comes back and he can have a good fight against someone he can maybe beat and uh, at least have a fun fight and have a good performance. Mm-hmm. That kid, though, I mean, let's go and talk about this, man, just for, just for another moment. That kid must be made out of fucking bricks, bro. Did you see the, the injury report for Sean? No. He broke, I believe he broke his foot in both of his hands on that kid's face. That's crazy. Isn't that great? That's absolutely insane to me. Now he's I mean it wasn't even it wasn't even close, but Jesus dude. Like <laughs> Hey man, Sean was beat though. Once I got stopped, you saw him lay down on the mat. I mean, he was tired from how much he had to, you know, output. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, man. It was tough. But um yeah, man, as far as that goes, that's pretty much all there is to talk about the main card. As far as the undercard though, man. I mean, what is some of the fights you want to go and talk about there? I mean, there's a lot of devastation on the undercard, man. I mean, Carlos Condit losing the Max Griffin. We both picked Carlos Condit, but man, that's just how it goes. You had, you said you had Condit winning that fight, though. I was, to be fair, I was barely paying attention. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. At the time, at the time, you know, now looking back, different opinion, maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, I in hindsight, it was pretty clearly rounds one and three. Um, although they didn't give it thirty twenty seven to him, I think two of the judges did. So that was pretty strange, but. Um, yeah, man. I honestly paid very little attention. I mean, like, the, the differences between how, like, like watching a fight alone and then watching it with the guys, much different, so. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. See, I've, now, you, now you know, Josh. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I get it, but, um, yeah, man. Um, 
that that sucked. I hope Condi comes back, man. If if that's going to be his way to go out, I'm cool with it because it was a straight-up war. I thought he extended his contract, though. He did, but weekend. also he's been talking about retirement for every single fight since the Robbie Lawler fight. No, well, never mind. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, if he goes out that way, that's cool with me. But, damn, dude. Parade and Nico Price is a war. That was fun. But, damn, dude, Ryan Hall, bro. Did you hear the the news afterwards about what happened in that fight? uh, Wasn't that he broke his hand on the first punch he landed? Yeah, he broke his hand on the first punch he landed, dude. I was like, fuck. What if it made a difference? Who knows? But Because he did fight weird. Like, looking back at it, he did have a weird fight. Just a generally weird fight. Ryan Ryan Hall generally a weird fighter anyways. Yeah. But still. It's, it's, you know. People are generally going to go ahead and shit on Ryan Hall. But at the same time, it's like he, uh, he he didn't look that good to me. And in hindsight, it makes sense because I kept on talking about it during the fight. But it's like he's not doing anything he did last fight where he showed a lot of inc- improved striking. And the fact that he broke his hand, it makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, so that really so Granted, though, he didn't want to get into that exchange with Ilya. So, yeah, no, he got unlucky. He got caught during the takedown and ended up in a position where he couldn't roll and you know, Ilya started pounding, and it was rough. And, and, and like I talked about, I'm like, Ilya's a great guy, super talented. I mean, you know, sometimes we don't always pick the guy we'll, we think we win. We'll pick guys that we, we like who are fun because, we you know, we want to see how they'll do, you know. Yeah. I mean, good for Ilya for getting into the rankings. Good for that. Good for him, at least. Sucks for good. Ryan Hall, though, man. I mean, this is a yeah. guy that's worked really, really hard to get any any sort of opponent for a while now. I know. He was getting ducked so much, man, and uh, – like man I he mean, ran to the wrong guy the wrong guy i mean at least if he would have lost to a highly ranked guy would have been like well at least he lost number five or number six or whoever the fuck it might have been yeah it's unfortunate um but yeah man as far as the undercard goes outside of that was there anything else you want to go ahead and touch on uh nothing in particular i mean there was stuff that happened on the prelims but i mean we got into it, obviously brad tapar is picking up a win moving up the rankings jared from Maya getting a win over just sky with I mean, did you look back at that, Josh? Did you still think Jessica I won that? Yeah, I did think Jessica I won that. I was very, very surprised at that. Like, I went back and watched that fight actually today. I was very, very surprised that um, Jennifer Maya got the decision, especially 30-27. Uh, judging was pretty pretty shitty all night, which is, you know. Hey, man. I, it's been like that as of lately. I'm sure eventually we'll have one that's egregiously bad, and they'll be like, yep, we have to make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, I thought she won, but it's it. You know, it is what it is. Um, as far as the rest of the card goes, like I said, it's not a whole lot to talk about. GK Duplices getting a nice knockout win over Sharon Giles. That was pretty much out of nowhere. That was pretty um, sick. That was pretty sick. Brad Tavares getting a win. Brad Tavares, man. Shout out! It's so easy to forget. This kid is only 33, but he's been in the UFC for literally 11 years now, and he's still. He's still doing the damn thing now, number 12 in the rankings. So especially after like the back-to-back loss against Adesanya, I'm not sure if you remember that fight. Izzy beat the dog shit out of him for five rounds. I want to say it was like a 50-43 type decision. Oh, uh, shit. Something along those lines. I don't know if it's actually judged that way, but it, was, it wasn't even close. Um, And then he got knocked out by Shabazz. And I was like, that's pretty much it. I mean, he, he took so much damage in back-to-back fights. Um. He ended up coming back, though. He's won two in a row, man. Shout out him. 
Uh, shout out, I said it on the night of, but I mean, I did think Jennifer Maya lost, but shout out him, shout out her. Um, actually, she's clearly like limited physically ability wise. Like she's not, she's not like the most technically stable, but dude, she's fucking game. Like I'll give her credit, dude. She took the round, round of two off Shevchenko. Um, she got the win here. So shout out Jennifer Maya, man. But that's pretty much, that's all I got for the card personally. No, I think we recapped it incredibly well, man. I mean, it was, like I said, it was a night full of emotions hype happiness sadness boredom i mean it, was, it had everything you wanted in it man i mean i mean it's the truth though i mean that's that's how the the whole card went man it was a mixture of everything yeah. uh you know we have a pay-per-view coming up next month early early next month uh and we have some good cards some good fights coming up uh i mean i think we're slowing down a little bit in the year but you know we always close out the year great and we'll speed up again so i'm not worried i'm and uh, obviously a lot of the stuff got announced real quick, uh, like within the last few days. And obviously we got to talk about this week's fight card. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. And look, this week's fight card from the UFC Apex, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Islam Makachev's man. He's been hyped up by seemingly, I mean, most people in the MMA space as being a future champion. Um, obviously, he doesn't have too many wins to his name in terms of, you know, high level guys. Uh, the best win this is definitely Drew Dober. Um, who he defeated earlier this year is UC 259, but he does have some other nice wins. Armand Sarukian, who I'm really, really high on, uh, he did defeat him in a fight of the night whenever Armand was coming on really short notice. Uh, nice win over Davi Hamos, uh, you know, Gleason Tebow, Nick Lentz. Not a whole lot of great names, though, but he's still 19-1. and Habib said he's going to be future champion. Daniel Cormier said he's going to be future champion. You know, everybody at AKA loves him. Everybody loves this kid. And he's taking on... I'd say probably his best challenge to date. Uh, obviously, Islam is number nine in the rankings. Taking on Tiago Moises, number 14. This kid, excellent jiu-jitsu base. Um, been training jiu-jitsu since he's been eight years old. He's 15-4, and four, has a three-fight winning streak against Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez. Three really great wins to the resume. Um, so, look, man, it's, it's interesting. I think it, uh, Tiago Moises, he's a massive underdog this weekend. I think there's possibility for the upset, but I want to hear what you think. No, no, no. I, I'm completely on the same page. I mean, there's possibility for upset. I mean, he's a guy who I've definitely had some interest in ever since I got a, you know, ever since I heard of him, kind of his uh, skills and abilities and his, his uh, jujitsu, which is kind of his main thing. Uh, obviously, he has his work cut out with him with Islam Makachev. Uh, we're talking a little bit to prior to the show. I've kind of mentioned how in some ways some people speak about Habib in the way of kind of being an upgraded Habib in a way. I'd say more of a, I wouldn't say upgraded Habib in the sense, but having more options than or more things that he uses rather than what Habib kind of stuck to. But granted, Habib never had to go to option B because he always had option A. So obviously, you know, the the improved striking obviously still has that pressure wrestling that can be used against the fence, uh, a variety of submissions, more things that you can use for takedowns, you know, leg trips, throws, a bunch of stuff that we haven't even seen yet. And, uh, you know, a variety of submissions, man. Uh He's a he's a very talented kid. I mean, we talked about this prior. I think we might have talked about it on the podcast actually, where we were like, you know, at what point will Islam Makhachev be champ, or will he ever be champ? We both were on the same page of like, it will probably happen indefinitely at some point. It's mm-hmm. just when will it happen? Uh, because his work cut out for him this week, right? Obviously, 
we're going to see what these guys can do. We can see if Islam is just superior on the ground than his opposition or if Thiago is actually going to be able to hang, make it some stuff work there, maybe think make some stuff happen in striking, maybe give Islam a hard fight. You know something? Islam could win this fight, but Thiago Moises could come out here looking real good and we're like, okay, Thiago Moises is 26 years old. He lost to Islam Makachev at this point in his career. Well, you know, we have an idea of what this kid can do now. He'll be back, you know, and uh, I, a lot of people are writing off Thiago Moises, but I feel like we should keep an eye on him and uh, obviously not be surprised if he comes out here and has a good performance. Obviously, it would be a surprise if he did win, but uh, I, I, at least personally now, I'm, I'm still leaning Islam Makachev. But I mean, if you're if you're a sneaky guy, maybe want to throw some money on Thiago. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't you know be against it. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, look, you went ahead and just said it. Will Islam be champion? We both agreed at some point, probably. Um, how soon will it be? No idea. He's not. He's he's very much. They always say he's like he's a lot like Habib. You know, Habib trained with him. They never said they said they would never fight each other. Come from the same upbringing, so on and so forth. Um, and you can you can show in that because he's literally going through the early Habib, you know, or the early part of his career whenever Habib was getting injured and taking on a significant amount of time. Um, I mean, he, look, Islam, they say he's the most duck guy, ducked guy. I'm not entirely sure that's accurate. I mean, he's had a lot of fights. He's supposed to fight Trinaldo, but he pulled out. He's supposed to fight Hernandez, but he pulled out. He's supposed to fight RDA, but he pulled out. So on and so forth. Um, so on and so forth. So, I mean, look, it is what it is. Um, this is an interesting fight for him. I, like I said, I think Tiago Moises presents a lot of interesting stylistical problems. Do I think he'll win? No. Um, but I do think if this fight goes to the ground, Tiago is very, very underrated. So is it possible that he'll, you know, he might have a nice submission attempt or something happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's absolutely possible. But at the same time, I, I do got Islam, dude. I'm expecting him to win, and I think he'll probably win in a big way. Is it possible that, I that you know, Tiago might take a round or will have a cool exchange? Probably. I expect that, honestly. Tiago has been incredibly disrespected in the build to this fight. Because, honestly, the way that this fight's getting covered, you would just assume that Islam's fighting himself. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, have you heard, have you seen anybody talk about Tiago Moises in the buildup? I mean, it's pretty rare to have a fight I mean, like this. I mean, just that. like MMA media who like really covers it very well. And I'm pretty sure this is the Islam's first five round event, right? Yeah, correct. This is his first five round fight in his career. That could be a big thing too, man. I mean, uh, and I'm, it's probably Thiago's as well, right? First five rounds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey man, if they make it out of the first three, those four and five, I mean, anything can happen, especially your first time. For sure, man, and and it'll be interesting for sure. I like I said, um, he's been the most disrespected dude in the buildup. Just that's the only way I could put it. I mean, just watching, you know, I'm I'm really big into podcasts. You know, I I listen to the, a lot of the big ones around in the MMA space. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to shit on them. But damn, dude, you you would just assume that like it's it's Islam Mokhtar just fighting himself. So, um, I mean, that'd be a that, great fight. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. But, like, it's pretty rare to have a fight like this where, like, it's on the main events and, like, one dude is significantly more talked about than the other. Um, so to the point where it's, like, you, most people barely even know the other guy. But, uh, like I said, Tiago's just been disrespected in the buildup. I think we'll have some success, but I think we'll probably lose. I got Islam in a big way this weekend. Co-main event, though. This one. A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks as well, man. I mean, look, as as one woman is leaving, another one's coming back. Marion Renault. 44 years young. Um, she's about to turn 45. Actually, this actually, never mind. I just read that wrong. She just turned 44. Excuse me. 
Um, obviously, she's you know she's been an interesting person in the UFC. Um, she's been one of the OGs. She debuted at UFC 182. That was she, she was one of the first ones. I, I don't want to put any like any numbers on it because I'm not I'm a I'm a straight up dumbass. Um, but she's she was one of the first women to fight in the UFC. Um, she came in with a six and one record. Obviously, she she's fought the who's who. Um, Holly Holm, Ashley Evan Smith, Betch Cohea, Sarah McMahon, Zingano, Kunitskaya, Pennington, uh, Chase Chase On, and really she's finally in the co-main event. Really, I mean, like I can't remember the last time she had like kind of a um, this high of a placement on the card. Like weirdly enough, uh, but it's her retirement fight. She's finally having a big fight. She's taking on the returning Misha Cupcake Tate. Obviously, Misha retired whenever she was really young she was 29 when she retired she had just lost the belt uh she lost to raquel pennington in a, a pretty boring decision not a whole lot happened she didn't look done but she did she retired nonetheless she's had two kids since then and five years later she's coming back she's returning for the first time since UFC 205 man uh misha tate she's back what do you think about this co-main event man there's a lot a lot of question marks heading into it I mean, physically, she looks great. I mean, that's been the, the, the big talk, right? Misha looks physically great. And, I mean, something I kind of wanted to bring it up, and it's kind of a, a weird thing. It's kind of out there. But, you know, maybe her giving birth kind of help her. You know what I mean? Like, actually, her body being put through that kind of process and her body having to take on that kind of level of stuff has made her body better. As I don't know if that's kind of out there, but it kind of makes sense, right? Uh well, you know, women, after <laughs> here's your Josh stat of the day, uh, since coming back, since women after fighting after pregnancy are three and three. Okay, so it's not bad, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's about even. We're about to find out. Oh, granted, though, that's after not too long of a pregnancy, I'm assuming. Yeah. It's been a little while now since she's given birth. Yeah. And uh, so one thing I heard someone say is a, a lot of times in women's MMA, they hit their prime later. Uh. What's, what's your kind of thought on that, Josh? I heard someone say that they were like, the women kind of hit their prime later physically than men. I That kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, look, I mean, the women always, they, the, what, how, how was like the average amount of time for women? Don't they live like on average, like something like four or five years longer than men? Doesn't it kind of make sense through that lens? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, do I, in MMA? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, we've seen it. Marion Renault, bro. Like she's she's 44 and she's it's um, she's lost her last four fights, but it's not like she's gotten blown out of the water in any of those. Like they've all been really competitive fights. Um and before that she was having a lot. She's been having success. Her entire UFC run has been almost exclusively in her 40s/her late 30s. At that hey, point in time, a normal That's pretty badass. Yeah, a normal man, they're done by like their mid 30s, late 30s. That's where like a lot of Holly Holmes almost 40. She's number 2 in the division. Like, um, Jermaine Duranamy, mid-30s, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But I want to say Jermaine Duranamy is in her, um... How old is Amanda? She's, like, early 30s. Is Amanda in her early 30s? Amanda's early 30s. JDR is 37. You know what I mean? Um, Nunez, I want to say, is, like, 33. Yep, you're correct. I just looked She's 33. Holm is almost 40. Aldana's 33. She's just hitting her prime. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, as far as it goes, women, I'd say they, they do kind of peak later in that, in that sort of aspect. 
um especially at, at 135 i think like the the older you get the more you go down this applies to men too the mm-hmm. older you get, it's going to be worse for you if you're a lighter weight class. Well, speed, man. Speed kills. Exactly. That's I mean, Rose is still in her early – not in her early 20s, mid-20s at this point. Um, and she's champ. Whaley's pretty young. You know what I mean? She's she's uh, formerly champ. I mean, it doesn't really apply at 115. But at 135, dude, I mean, I could legitimately see Misha winning this fight. And depending on how the fight goes next month, she's, boom, right back in a title shot. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing that a lot of people brought up is, like, going forward – she was kind of, uh, they talked about kind of like at that time when she fought Ronda and, you know, her style of fight. It was kind of like early days MMA, like still Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, you know, like, you know, like just those kind of one style dimensional fighters where now mm. girls are kind of getting more well-rounded and those new younger, hungrier girls are going to give Misha some trouble. But granted, though, Misha's been doing this for a long time. And something I want to reference is, dude. Go back, like everybody who's listening to this right now, go back and watch Holly Holm versus Misha Tate and watch that fight. She fought that so well, man. She fought such a smart fight. She looks so good. I mean, that was a great performance. Like, I don't know if you've seen that in recent time, Josh, or if you can recall it well. But I saw that and I was like, holy shit, man. Like, she's really hyping me up. Like, if, if, if this was her then and she didn't even physically feel as great as she does now, what is there to come? And if she keeps improving... And obviously, you know, she still was around martial arts and she's seen stuff. And, hey, man, sometimes athletes have taken a few, like, retired for a year, a few years around. It's, it's been in different sports and came back and still found a lot of success and even gotten better because they took a break in between. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, OK, two things to kind of tackle there real quickly. Uh, first off, like women's MMA, to an extent, is still in that same Infancy. Yeah. That, that same infancy you know what i mean like people i funny enough i saw like a video about like this recently and they were like you know what like ron just as an example ronda rousey holly Holm, you know they were good but the division caught up to them i'm like mm-hmm. yeah no, that makes didn't. sense no, I, mean, I mean they didn't though i mean look like i mean it didn't but i i can see where some people would agree with it and disagree with it yeah, I mean, it's a fine argument if you don't look below the surface. I mean, just as an example, using we can use the Ronda just example since the video, I believe, it was about Ronda Rousey. That's like the general consensus people were saying was like, Nunes is champ. Who is Nunes lost? Kat Zingano. Ronda beat her. Guess who, you know, lost? Guess who Ronda Rousey? Holly Holm. Guess who beat her? Misha Tate. Ronda beat the shit out of Misha twice. You know what I mean? Uh, and that idea has just never worked for me. Like, oh, Ronda, Holly, Misha, the game's passed them by. Like, they're from a different era. Not really, though. I mean, like, look at it. Just look at the top the top 15. Like, if you were to... I mean, I mean it's, Holly, it's strange because it's really yeah. only at this weight class where you can really talk about this, though. If you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because 135 is... It's so weird to me. Because whenever 135 left off, Misha is quite literally walking back into the same situation. She's taken off five years, and Amanda Nunes is still champion. Like, that's really, really strange whenever you put it that way. And it's not like 135 is like a bad division. What I'm saying right now, it's not to shit on 135. I'm just saying it's not a bad division. It's just that Nunes is so far ahead of the competition to where it looks like it's a bad division by default. It's like the DJ thing. Like, everybody was talking about how DJ was like, oh, 125 sucks. DJ left. Now look at it. So Udo was champion. That was a fun reign. Now we had Figueroa. Now Moreno. It's a dope-ass division, dude. But same thing for one women's 135. The division still is pretty much in its infancy, like you said. Um, but, yeah, man, and Misha's walking back in the same situation. She really, really is. So it's it's pretty, 
pretty rare to have a situation like that. I mean, if a, if a dude takes off five years, like, holy shit. I mean, like, just look where we were five years ago in MMA. I mean, will you only 135 for women? That's still pretty much the only thing that's still the same. So, I mean, look, it is what it is. That being said, though, pick time, man, I really – I don't see a way Misha Tate loses this fight. I think, like, when grappling-wise, I think Misha has the edge. I think she's going to have the edge. She looks in phenomenal shape. I'm sure she's going to have some octagon jitters. I think the fact that she's fighting really not in front of her crowd may help her this time because she's going to get out those jitters not in front of a packed crowd of, you know, you know, 40,000 people. You know what I mean? Something along those lines. So. I think it's actually going to help her this weekend. But what do you think with the fight? I mean, did you give an official prediction? I mean, there's a lot of things looking good for her. I mean, uh, first of all, like you said, obviously no crowd. She'll be able to listen to her coach clearly, be able to take those orders, you know, just as well as, as you know, with no one there. Uh, and, uh, I mean, good matchmaking too, right? They gave her a good matchup for her return. They didn't mm. put her in there with a gal, like a an Aspen lad, you know, oh really young, yeah. real young, hungry uh, part of the new generation of, of, of women's MMA, you know, like they, they, they really did a good job with the matchmaking here to give her an opportunity to be able to win and then also give a, a good fight for Marion for her send off and give her a fight that she could potentially win and look good in. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't know about the Misha. I don't know if I want to get on the Misha, uh, Misha hype train yet. And I'm like, I don't think there's a hype train yet, but I definitely am excited to see her back. And I, and she, I think she should be able to win this one, man. Like I feel like it's it's a good fight for her to come back to. I mean, who else would she fight that that would be good for her at this point in time? Her returning, it's I think it's good matchmaking. Everything's set up for her to potentially succeed. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Marino either. You know, obviously she can come out here and do her own thing. Uh, and obviously we've seen you know we've seen the return of the octagon. Not everybody always comes back and finds mm-hmm. success. For sure, man. And look, I mean. I think you said it pretty well there. It's it's a fun fight for Marion. It's it's a nice way to send her off. She's in a co-main event for the first time in her in her career. Um, she's taking on a big name, so shout out to her. She deserves a nice send off. I've always been a fan of Marion. I know she's always flown under the radar, but she generally has pretty fun fights. And I mean, shit, dude, being in your, being in your forties and still fighting, I gain any respect for a fighter that's still like forty four in game as fuck. Um, that's super impressive. So yeah, I am gonna take Misha Tate though. I don't think the hype train will be there yet, but. Depending on how she wins this weekend, dude, like I said, she could be right back in the mix. I mean, she wins here. Shit, how high can you put her? Five? Six? Like, Marion's ranked number 12 right now. Um, I mean, so, yeah. I feel like this slow buildup would be fine. I mean, if they get her right at 12, take Marion out of the rankings, I mean, I think that'd be fair. Yeah, you know what I mean? for sure. We don't got to be, you know, number four already, number three, number two, whatever, you know. Uh, I mean, we're getting back into, she's 32, she has plenty of time, man, and if she's in it and she's game, she doesn't have an issue building up, and she has a decent name. She could be a decent draw, and uh, she gets a quick win here. I mean, she, we could see her fight twice this year. I mean, that'd be amazing as well. I mean, there's a lot that can happen here, man. I mean, obviously, next week when we come back and talk about this, we'll know a lot more. We'll know what Misha Tate is at and how she's looking. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think we've kind of summed that up pretty well. I mean, I don't think we can do it any better than what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So as far as that goes, moving past the main and the co-main, what are some of the fights you're going to go and highlight? Pretty, not the most stacked card, but, you know, there there is some fights there. I mean, Jeremy Steven, Matias, Gamera, I mean, Josh, uh, Mate- is Matias, Matias? How do you pronounce it? I don't know. I, 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 um, heard... I believe it's Matias, but I'm not entirely, I'm, 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 I'm an idiot, so I don't know. Okay, Gamera, we'll just call him Gamera for the sake of it, Gamera. 
Uh, former 155 champion, what was it, uh, ACB, if I believe so. Uh, undefeated coming to UFC at the time. Obviously lost his debut, if I remember. Former KSW champ, my yeah, bad. Yeah, KSW. Former KSW champ, undefeated at the time coming to UFC. Lost a split decision, his debut. Okay, happens. Obviously big, big fight he had to come into. Uh, that was last year during COVID. That was a uh, zombie Ortega. So banger of a fight. Uh, he's back to put in with Jeremy Stevens, man. I mean, what a test, right? Because Jeremy Stevens will not lose to someone who isn't very good. At, like, if out of all the people who fought at 155, he's generally lost to guys who are pretty good. Uh, I mean, you can look through it. I mean, it's it's all guys who are, you know, we know these guys. Uh, so obviously, if this guy comes out here and has a good performance against Jeremy Stevens, I mean, he is he might be the truth, you know, he might be the guy. Uh, and he might have a good buildup, you know. Uh, obviously, another big, another name guy potentially who could be put himself into the 155 picture. Obviously, 155 has been a lot of the same guys for kind of for the last what maybe five years, Josh. We kind of had generally the same yeah. guys, and we've kind of had a projection of who the next guys are going to be. So, I mean, if he comes out here has a good performance against Jeremy Stevens, he could potentially find himself in a in a big fight next, even though he did lose his debut and. Uh, I don't know how to uh, highlight Rodolfo Vieira, the what do they call them? Black belt hunter, black belt killer. What they call him? Yeah, something like that. Lost by submission against Fluffy Hernandez. He's coming back. I saw him. It looks like he had another fat weight cut. So is he gonna gas real quick and not get the submission? We'll find out. Uh, those are the two I want to highlight on the main on the main card. I don't know if there's anything you want to put on those because I do have some I want to mention on the prelim as well. Yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, the ones I want to go ahead and mention, I mean, obviously, just did it, Haldolfo Vieira, uh, Jeremy Stevens, those, both, those fights, both those fights should be fun. Daniel Rodriguez coming back should be fun. Montserrat Ruiz, dude, big fan of that girl. Um, obviously, last time, she was she was known for her uh, her fight against Cheyenne Baez, uh, which is pretty funny. She'll catch her outside, bitch, which is really funny to say after losing, like, 30-26. Um, or some along those lines. I don't remember exactly what you said, but yeah, man. Uh, Miles Johns coming back. That should be fun. Francisco Figueroa versus Malcolm Gordon should be a banger. Uh, what are the fights that you wanted to go in highly from the prelims? Uh, well, you obviously mentioned Monster, right? Obviously, she has a tough fight against Amanda Limos, giving up some height, some reach there, but you know, we'll see how that goes down stylistically. And the other one I want to highlight Daniel Rodriguez fighting Preston Parsons. Preston Parsons coming in on short notice. Obviously, this is supposed to be Abubakar Nurmagomedov originally. Uh, you know, I want to highlight Preston a little bit. Obviously, tough fight for the kid, 26 years young. Um, only two losses grew. Uh, Valdir Arjo, guy who was 16 and 7 at the time, that was his. That was his. Uh, what was that? His sixth fight. He lost it. He got. He got submitted. And before that, he had lost to Mike Perry in 2015. He was 19 years old. He got knocked out by Mike Perry in the regional scene. So. Uh, noble win, and not so Bahamondes. Bahamondes was, uh, I believe at the time, nine, he was 19. Uh, Preston was 20. Obviously, submissions are kind of his big thing. All his wins came by submission. All nine of his wins have been submission. He's not won in any other way. Uh, he's improved upon his boxing a lot recently, too. So, I mean, keep an eye out for him. Will he beat D-Rod? Probably not. I don't think he will. <laughs> But he could come out here and have a good performance, and who knows? Maybe he catches him in submission. Maybe his striking's improved. I mean, he's a young kid. Uh, he looked good at the weigh-ins. I mean, anything's mm-hmm. possible. So I wish him a lot of luck. Obviously, these guys who are always coming in from outside of UFC, you know, I always like to see him succeed. 
and uh, you know, wishing him a lot of luck, but obviously a lot of luck to D-Rod as well, because, we, you know, at the end of the day, we want great fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for sure. And overall, I mean, it's not it's not the best card this weekend, but it should be pretty fun. Um, but, Angel, it's not the only MMA this weekend. We do have a Bellator card going down tonight, Bellator 262. Uh, in comparison to the other Bellator cards we've talked about, it's uh, it's pr- it's a lot lighter, I'd personally say, but I do think there's some good fights here. Uh, main event, Juliana Vela- uh, Juliana Vasquez. Fuck, sorry, Juliana. Juliana Velasquez taking on Denise Kielholtz. Uh, Denise Kielholtz, man, she's still only six and two in her MMA career, um, but she's made the move over to Bellator back a couple of years ago, and he's paid off dividends, dude. Uh, she's coming off four wins in a row, knocking out Kay Jackson back in October of last year. Before she moved over, she was one of the best women's kickboxers on the planet. Um, and she's taking on Juliana in her Juliana's first ever title defense. Obviously, Juliana Velasquez was a massive underdog when she took on Alima Lay McFarland last year. Uh, she ended up winning via decision, which was really, really impressive because I've, I've been super, super high on Alima Lay McFarland. I mean, Alima Lay was, I think that was her sixth or seventh title defense, bro. Um, and going in, I know Juliana's a big underdog, but she got the win and she's making her first title defense. What do you think about this fight, man? I mean, good fight, good women's fight. Obviously, not the most stacked card. Obviously, I want to give a lot of credit to Denise. Obviously, traditionally, she came from the kickboxing world. Uh, for a while there, she was kind of having some trouble deciding, you know, deciding should I go full MMA, do kickboxing? Because she wanted to do both for a bit there. But, uh, you know, for a girl who came from kickboxing, man, multiple wins from submission. I mean, Americana, Scarf Cold, you know, ground and pound wins. I mean, and a lot of the first and second round as well. I see she has her her, her work cut out with her with Juliana Velasquez. Uh, banger fight, banger matchup. Uh, I think it should be a good one. You know, I, I you know now that we're talking about it initially before you know I wasn't very excited about it, but now that I now that we're actually getting into it now, I think I'm actually pretty excited for it. Yeah, man, for sure. It's definitely an interesting stylistic uh, stylistical fight. Because obviously you mentioned Denise Gilholds, she is coming from the kickboxing world. She has put in a lot of work on her grappling. Um, you know, obviously, Juliana Velasquez comes from judo, comes from the wrestling world. So it's going to be interesting in that way. Um, I'm, I'm pretty high for it. I do think Juliana is going to get the dub, though. I just think if you look at Denise Kielholt's record, she's 6-2 and two for sure. I mean, she's 6-2, and two and she does work on her submissions. But she's never fought anybody even close to the caliber of, um, obviously, Juliana Velasquez. Their best win is Kate Jackson. Kate Jackson did fight in uh she actually fought in the ultimate fighter funnily enough um her one loss to tatiana suarez but even then it's like wrestling wise man uh, denise gilholz is not facing anybody closer so i'm gonna go and take velasquez mm-hmm. i think i'm on the same page man yeah and then as far as in the co-main event this one should be pretty interesting uh matt mitrione oh three and one in his last four fights um which I mean that 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 sucks, but look, I mean he's still he's still one of the, the I'd say one of the best Bellator heavyweights. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. He's just had a, he's had a rough streak. Um, obviously the Timothy Johnson fight was was rough. The Sergey Karatanov fight was definitely just weird, and that was coming off of a you know a no contest fight with Karatanov before that. He lost to Ryan Bader, and Ryan Bader turned out to be really good at heavyweight, but still. Um, before that man, I mean he was on he was on a great streak. He probably should have got a title shot. I mean he beat Roy Nelson, Fedor. Uh, Ali Thompson, Carl Simitoffa, and they obviously had a success in the UFC. And he's taking on Tyro Fortune, and Tyro Fortune's probably the biggest fight of his career, I'd say. I mean, uh, he was obviously a great, great wrestler coming out of 
college, and he made the switch over to Bellator. Started off 7-0 and before getting upset by the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Johnson, uh, who knocked him out for the first loss of his career. He's rebounded, though, two wins in a row, man. Very big crossroads fight for both these guys. Who do you think gets it done? Picking Tyrell Fortune, man. They're wrestling. That's that's going to be the big factor of the night. Can you get in there, take him down, and obviously use the weakness that we've seen in Matt Mitrion? For sure, man. Like you mentioned, it it's, it is it is a pretty big weakness as well. Um, Matt Mitrion, the older he gets, I don't want to say the worse his wrestling becomes, but the worse his wrestling becomes. <laughs> um, especially, you saw it in spades in that Bader fight, dude. Like, he, he looks pretty bad. And he's 42 now. Um, which is weird because I never really thought of Matt Richardson. It's like one of those older heavyweights because he looks like a young guy still. Oh, um, yeah. He doesn't look his age at all. He's not looking to 42, but he is 42. He's coming off two knockout losses in a row. Doesn't look good for him. I'm going to go ahead and take Tyrell Fortune as well. As far as the undercard goes, though, what are some of the fights you want to go and highlight? Uh, I talked about it before, man. Uh, Diana, as oh, I'm going to butcher it. Avzergarova, they butcher it. Hey. When you see her, you don't think she's a fighter. You think a model, but man, can she kick some ass? Keep an <laughs> eye on her. I mean, she came out of here and starched her opponent. I heard a story of her going out in one of her fights and like suplexing this chick and taking her down and like just. I think she got a submission. I think that was actually her debut. She got an armbar on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she's a talented chick. I mean, she's attractive. You know, you don't assume maybe looking at her that she would fight. You would assume model, but I mean, definitely keep an eye on her and see how she does. Uh, well, I guess tonight, because tonight is Friday and it's going on. Mm. Yeah, man. So go ahead and tune into her. She's definitely an interesting prospect. Still only 22. Two of the five, uh, I guess three of the fights I want to go and highlight. Well, actually, no, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and do, do, do the two. Cody Law uh, yep. making his fourth professional fight. Dude, this kid is a phenomenal wrestler. Belter was really big on getting these dudes before they're, before they're a big deal. I mean, they did it with Aaron Pico. They did it with Fortune. They're signing these dudes straight out of college. They're like, all right, we'll give you all the time you need. And whenever you're ready, come fight for us. And that's exactly what he's done, dude. I mean, he he fought five times amateur. And since then, he made the move over to Beltor. He's 3-0. and And um, he's taking on Theodore Makava. Should be a nice uh, nice fight for him. Still a very, very young kid. Uh, but, dude, shout-out Cody Law. Great prospect. Ronnie Marks, who only bringing him up because he has such a strange career trajectory. He was 11-1. and At one point, he was 14-1. and as a UFC middleweight, and he, you know, he got a big fight. He fought Yoel Romero, one of the top fights uh, on that card. UFC fight for the troops on the undercard of uh, Tim Kennedy, um, way back in the day, on Fox Sports. And he ended up getting knocked out, and he got knocked out by Tiago Silva, um, and then he got cut. I mean, he was 14 and three. He looked like a great prospect. Got cut. Since then, he's he's fought as high as super heavyweight. Um, and he fought in the PFL and he had some, he had some mixed success there. Um, and now, you know, he moved over to Bellator, just lost him in Vassell and now he's fighting at heavyweight again on the undercard. Uh, and then lastly, I got to go ahead and shout out my girl, Arlene Blenko. Not the best at all. Not at all. Um, but she's 38, dude. I mean, I've watched fights. She's generally always game. Um, she's a lot of fun to watch, especially as like a woman's 145er. So shout out Arlene Blenko, bro. Uh, she's on the undercard as well, but uh, as far as that goes, that's pretty much all we got for the MMA this week. I say that's all we got, but, I mean, shit, we just went for an hour. Um, but before we get into our closing topics of the show, I want to talk to you guys about Monkey Knife Fight. 
Monkey Knife Fight is a daily fantasy sports gaming website for the casual sports fan that is simple, fun, and easy to play. You determine which superstars competing in the day's professional sporting events and record more or less of the contest line provided. Monkey Knife Fight's daily fantasy prop games play similar to Salary Cap Daily's daily fantasy sports games without the algorithms, while Lions and most importantly, Sharks. They are several contests to choose from, none of which require hours of research required on competing sites. Start with a simple 2 for 2 and go for the highest payouts up to 100 times and higher by selecting an 8 for 8 more or less contest. Get started now with 100, 100, ah, fuck. It's been a rough day, guys. Rough work week. Sorry for the ad read. Uh, get started now with 100% engine match bonus up to tw- up to $50. Promo code courtside. Friend of the show, Nathaniel Banks, has put in a lot of work on Monkey Knife Fight. So if you don't want to take it from us, take it from former host of the show, Nate Beggs. Use code courtside. Um, as far as the rest of the show goes, man, I mean, pretty light on topics. But look, dude, I, I got to bring it up. You're 2-2 now. Are, how, how nervous are you feeling as a Suns fan right now? Are you are you shaking in your boots? To, because after game two, it really looked like you guys, I want to say you had it in the bag, but it looked really, really good, man. I mean, how are you feeling right now? Josh, I, like I tell you, man, I, I never worry. I am, I'm always calm about stuff like this. I always I always have faith. I, I know we'll pull it out. And uh, that game, that last game, man, we could have won that. I mean, there was a lot of mistakes that happened. I mean, we had a lead. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot that went on there. We'll come back, obviously, going back home, which is obviously a big deal. Obviously, uh, we play, you know, very well at home, and obviously the Bucks have been played very well outside of home, and we've got to close it out in Phoenix, man. We can't let it get – we can't make it go 1-1, and, I mean, if there is a place you got to win it, you got to win it back home, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff going on there, and, I mean, we just got to come out and perform, man. I mean, obviously, like I said, fundamental mistakes that happened in that last game. We should be up 3-1 going back to Phoenix and closing it out, but – Hey man, it has to be a series, right? We got to make it fun. It can't be boring. We got to do it for the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And look, you guys, I, I I was feeling really confident. I was really really confident, especially after game two. And honestly, you guys probably should. I mean, you should have won last game. There was a lot of mistakes down the stretch, like you said, that prevented it from happening. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not feeling as confident. I just got to say that I'm not feeling as confident. Uh, but that being said, man, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, but as far as I mean, the, I mean, the finals go, it almost feels like the finals have taken a bit of a backseat to a storyline that's coming out today. Um, coming out today, obviously, and I mean, we talked, we heard murmurs, but nothing really confirmed. Uh, Damian Lillard, bro. There's no other way to say it. He gone. Damian Lillard, uh, I mean, he even said that, like, he's one of those guys. He's always talking about how he's not going to leave Portland. He's a lifer. He doesn't want to be, like, one of those guys like Katie who just who just ring chases. And he's going to stay with his team. He's been with Portland since 2012. He's the face of that fucking franchise, dude. He's, gave, he's you know, put in a lot of work with them, brought them all the success in the world. And now he's gone. Uh, apparently, it's not official official, but they're looking at trade destinations. Um, where do you want to see Damian Lillard go next? I don't even know where he would – I don't know who could afford Damian Lillard, and I don't know who needs Damian Lillard. I mean, a lot of teams need point guards. I mean, we'll just have to see, man. As long as it's not L.A., that's that's all I don't want. Just not L.A. Um, is he going to stay in the West Coast? Is he going to stay in the East Coast? I have no idea, man. I, I, I really don't know where this man's going to go. It's actually kind of weird. Usually I feel pretty confident in this. You know, I'll throw out two, three teams that I feel pretty confident with. But actually, this time, I don't know where Damian Lillard's going to end up. And uh, a lot of teams could use a Damian Lillard, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it can go anywhere. Shit. <laughs> that's that's the way I'm gonna put it. Damon Lillard could literally go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anywhere they could he anywhere they could afford him. Shit, we might see him at the Knicks for all we know. I did see that is a destination that's possible as well. I mean, it wouldn't be a terrible team. Obviously, Julius Randle not showing up in the NBA Finals or NBA Playoffs, I should say, was not the best thing to happen in recent times. So I'm sure that's a that's a big deal for a lot of people who are looking to go to the Knicks, especially after he killed it this season. The talk was, oh man, Julius Randle showing up, franchise star, is killing it for the Knicks. You know, the big man putting in the work. I mean, if it's if it's the whole image, and then playoffs come and Julius Randle disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows if they could have done it with a Damian Lillard type player or, or with Damian Lillard there but uh, I don't know man I, I don't know if he's going to stay in the East Coast or I don't know if he's going to stay in the West Coast go East Coast I mean there's, it's it's real weird I, I don't know what he's going to do I thought he's you know like you said he, he said he was going to be a lifer I thought he was going to be a lifer as well I didn't think he was ever going to leave I thought they were going to make big moves for him didn't end up being the case where does he end up now I have no idea yeah, man, that's pretty much where I'm at. I honestly have no idea where he's going to go because, I mean, there's not – I mean, teams can obviously almost always use point guards, but I don't know where the fuck he's going to go. Knicks would be an interesting possibility, but I don't think it, – it'd be almost kind of like a lateral move, right? I mean, I think if he were on the Knicks, yeah, he'd have a better chance to make maybe the maybe the finals. You know what I mean? But it's not – I don't think they'd win the finals. But even then, I don't think they'd probably get out of the East either, and he's pretty much in that same position where he is important later. He's not going to win a ring. There's no clear favor for him to go to. Um, I mean, a team that needs a point guard is, is probably the Lakers, but they can't afford him. Like, <laughs> so I mean, I'm not honestly. I have Bulls, no clue where he'd go. The Bulls always need a point guard. I don't know if they'll be able to get a trade. I feel like they would have to get rid of a lot to get Damian Lillard, though. For sure. Uh, they probably have to get maybe rid of this year's draft pick. Probably have to send over Kobe White and maybe a Lauren Marketing type and probably a pick. Uh, a good maybe multiple picks like that so they'd be giving a lot so maybe that's a possible destination uh but at the same time there's been big rumors with lonzo being potentially linked to the bulls at the same time some rumors with charlotte going to meet up with his brother not too crazy on those nothing too crazy on him going to charlotte mainly with the bulls i mean the bulls already had an eye on him from this last free agency that was a big rumor when they picked up a vucevic so, I mean, I guess there's some options. It took me a little while to think of them, but, I mean, we got them out, so that's all that matters. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I don't know, man. It is what it is. I have no idea where he's going to go, but, I mean, uh, good for him for finally realizing he's not going to win in Portland, I guess. But at the same time, it's, it feels like a lateral move because I don't see him going to a contender. So, which is, it's just kind of weird, honestly. It's just kind of weird. Um as far as anything else goes related to the NBA or anything else, is there anything, anything else you want to talk about before we close out? I don't know, dude. Team USA basketball has been struggling. Have you seen that, Josh? Have they been or have they just been struggling in exhibitions? I mean, still, though. They're still struggling in exhibitions. I mean, you know, it, it, regardless, mm-hmm. Team USA comes out and wins exhibitions. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm not going to panic until it's actually game time. That's what I'll say. Well, we'll have to see at these Olympics, man, because for once, and like I said this, you can argue that the best players, like the uh, single best player from any of the countries is not American. Mm-hmm, for sure. So obviously a lot of guys who aren't from the States, obviously a lot of Canadian players these days in the league. Obviously Giannis, Luka, Goran Dragic, Vucevic, Jokic. I mean, and not all these guys are going out to play for their country or are going to be in the Olympics, but still, regardless, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are really good who are not American. 
And uh, a lot of guys are wearing a lot of out of that 12 man roster that's going for Team USA to play in the Olympics. Certain names out. I mean, Trey Young. Obviously, that's been the big thing on Twitter. You know, Trey Young, not, you know, Trey Young said, I want to go. Or I guess he wanted to be part of Team USA. They told him no. Told him no. So they just had to get JaVale McGee. They just had to get JaVale McGee and whoever <laughs> this other guy is who played overseas. No hate. No so, hate, no hate, but no hate. But we'll see, we'll see what happens, man. Obviously, the Olympic, whenever the Olympics come around, we'll see what happens. Obviously, this is this is providing an interesting storyline going to the Olympics. It's like shit. Team USA is actually struggling in these exhibitions. Does that mean it's going to translate over to when we actually get to the Olympic Games? Who knows? I mean, we'll see. Possible. I mean, the last time they lost to who was it? Argentina back in the day. Yeah, way back in the day. And that was an upset too, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Wasn't so, that like 2012 or something? No, that was before that. I'm pretty yeah. sure. It was it was a while ago. It was a while ago. I think it might have been before. It might have been the Olympic Games before that or in between. I can't remember. But mm. regardless, though, I mean, whenever that comes around, I'm sure we'll mention it a bit. Obviously, we're going to see these these struggles continue going into the Olympics. Obviously, the Olympics are a big deal that's going to be happening later on at some point this year, right? When is that happening? Anyways, I don't even know when the Olympics are starting. Uh, I want to say later this month, really soon. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just they had a one of the powerlifters, I believe, from Uganda who just went missing in Osaka. Oh Jesus. So, yeah. So hopefully they're fine. Uh, that sucks. It's just... Yeah. So hopefully they're fine. Uh, I always like. Uh, are you like this, Josh? When it comes to Olympics, like maybe you're not like they're like uh, super excited about the Olympics or not like you know like very prideful about it. But like sometimes you watch the random events that happen, like powerlifting. You're like, oh shit, that's kind of cool. You know. Yeah, I do. I, I'm pretty much the same way with that. I'm not gonna sit down and watch really any part of the Olympics, but like, I don't know. Like, I'll I'll watch clips of it and be like, oh shit, that's cool. Like, like uh, powerlifting yeah. is honestly the big one. Like you just brought up, uh, wrestling. I pay attention to. Well, yeah, because um, some of those guys go to MMA. <laughs> exactly. That's why I pay attention. <laughs> uh, boxing randomly, only if I know the guy. By the way, speaking about that, I keep seeing the Floyd at like Floyd's last loss pop up on my Instagram. Yeah, dude. I saw that too. Yeah, him crying, and I'm like, holy shit, this was the last time this man actually lost. And he, and he got robbed, too. I don't give a shit about a lot of, especially boxing in the Olympics, because it's always I wonder, who Who would have been, who was the gold medalist in those Olympics? I will have to, we'll look it up afterwards in the podcast, because I kind of know. Out. But I know, I know uh, Floyd got robbed, and Roy got robbed, and, you know. Uh, Mike. <laughs> of... <laughs> I don't know. Did Mike, Mike uh, didn't Mike try to make it to the Olympics, and he got I robbed? I have no idea. Like, he didn't get, like, he got robbed during his Olympic trial or something like that. Some crazy shit. I don't know. It might have, or it might have been Ali who got robbed during the trial. I don't know. I know a lot of guys have been, who've gone yeah. through that. Especially just for boxing in the Olympics, it's super rigged. Uh, Teofimo, I know he went through that. I think he mm-hmm. actually had to compete for, like, Honduras, which is, is where his dad's from. Like, he had to go out there and, like, try out for their Olympic team or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. There's a lot of guys, though. Regardless, I mean, that's. You know, I think that's a good spot to close it out on. I mean, what a bigger of a podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. As always, never miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, as far as I go, I believe that is all we have for this week. Hope you guys enjoy the show as always. As always, I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01 at Quartzite Sound 1 for all the stuff in the future. That's all we got. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.